An illegal dumping is just basically disposing of items improperly, right? And it's 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 a horrible crime. I, I think the, the the folks who illegally dump view it as a victimless crime, but it's far from that. It has an impact on one's outlook on their community. It has an impact on their property values. Oftentimes, items that are illegally dumped are hazardous substances, so it, it may have an impact on one's health. And, and, and it also has an impact on one's overall feeling of how safe they are in their community. Welcome to the Green Hour, a community of innovators, activists, and government leaders in the world of sustainability. Each week, you will hear from a leader in sustainability to help unlock your mind to a greener future. Hey guys, I'm Preston Pogue, and today we're going to learn about how Public Works drives a city as large as Atlanta, Georgia. In this episode, we explore the critical role of public works in urban management, addressing challenges in budgeting and workforce management. We hear insights into tackling illegal dumping in Atlanta and innovative solutions such as cost-effective surveillance cameras and the use of artificial intelligence. The discussion also touches on the impact of COVID-19, specifically on public works. Join us for a conversation spanning waste management, urban management, and workforce management on this episode of The Green Hour. Imagine walking through a big city like Atlanta, Georgia, with its 5 million person population and frequent large events. Now think about all the waste from businesses, homes, and events. Someone's got to handle waste collection, and in a city this size, that is no easy job. Now throw in a global pandemic where a good chunk of Atlanta's waste management team is out, but trash still needs to be picked up. It's a tough situation, but it's reality. Joining us on the Green Hour is someone that led the City of Atlanta's public works strategy through the trying times of COVID-19. Al Wiggins Jr. is the public works commissioner for the City of Atlanta. As commissioner, he is responsible for oversight of the department's $90 million annual operating budget and provides leadership to the department's nearly 700 employees. He has been employed with the city of Atlanta since March of 2021, leading the public works daily administrative operations and advancing the department forward with the implementation of new technology, forging strategic business and community partnerships, and advancing solid waste operations throughout the pandemic and beyond. Before his tenure as commissioner, Wiggins, a United States Air Force veteran, also served as deputy city manager for the city of Chambly, Georgia. He previously served as the planning, building, and zoning director for the city of Forest Park and other local government positions include division manager with the Cobb County Community Development. He was lead council marshal with the city of Smyrna and public works supervisor with the city of Avondale Estates. He also launched his career in local government as a police officer in the city of Avondale Estates. In large cities, public works is vital for maintaining infrastructure, managing waste, and ensuring efficient transportation. 
This includes maintaining roads, water systems, and public spaces, as well as addressing issues related to traffic control and emergency response. Public works plays a crucial role in enhancing the overall quality of life and functionality of urban areas. The Department of Public Works for the City of Atlanta works to educate citizens on waste and recycling, not only through forums and infometrics, but also by activating for local cleanups in the city. But I'll say that when we first met, you were actually getting your hands dirty at a cleanup. Um, we, we, we met in Buckhead. Um, I was doing a cleanup with, I think the organization is called Clean Walks. I just remember, you're a lot of passionate people. Uh, and I was, I was one of them that day. And we were taking taking trash out of a median I mean, in an intersection, pulling pulling mud and pulling roots out of sewage systems. And, and it was a really interesting thing. Uh, and, and that's how we met. But we met while you were getting your hands dirty. And that's, that's how I think um, leadership should be. Um, you shouldn't just be saying things. You should actually be acting. And that's exactly what you're doing that day. So uh, after that, I was like, oh, I've got to have him on the podcast because this is somebody that works in sustainability that doesn't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. No, no. Thank you for that, uh, Preston. And, and that's a great question because uh, just depending on the organization, Public Works uh, handles, you know, different different assignments. And so for the Department of Public Works for the city of Atlanta, the largest part of public works is our solid waste collection division, which are the folks that provide curbside collection for our solid waste, our recycling, and our, our yard debris. Um, we also manage um, the fleet for the, for the entire city. So that in includes anything from a fire truck to a lawnmower, right? So we have about 6,000 pieces of equipment. Um, we're slated to have about uh, 70, 170 employees for the, our fleet division. We also have a code enforcement division, um, Keep Atlanta Beautiful Falls under the Department of Public Works, which is, um, you know, that's, 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 it's been very rewarding to be able to you know, have the team to clean up the city and then work with a team of volunteers that are focused on environmental sustainability as well. Um, we're charged with maintaining our deactivated landfills, and um, you and I have discussed our newly built command center, which is a, a new addition to the Department of Public Works, which has a significant impact on how we manage day-to-day -day issues. But that's there, there are a few other things that we handle, but um, that's the majority of our staffing and where the majority of our time is spent. Mm, interesting, interesting. So in your position now as commissioner, now we know what, what the, uh, the department does. But if we look back at, at your career and, and where you started to where you are now, I mean, it looks like you started in in the police force as a police officer. Or you actually, no, actually, I think before that you were in the Air Force, right? Correct. In the Air Force and then as a police officer. And then you've served in various governmental positions, um, one of those being the deputy city manager for the city of Chambly. But I say all that because I want to understand and kind of unpack, you know, your your past and your previous roles and how that has led you into what you're doing today. Yeah, you know, my, my path has been very unique. I, I, I will tell you that I, I don't identify as a particular title. I enjoy solving problems. Um, my goal is to always be where I can add value. Um, any organization, from a, from a leadership perspective, um, my job is to grow the organization to the extent that it will possibly, possibly outgrow 
my ability to manage it. You know, that, that sounds scary to some folks, but there's a sense of satisfaction for me for being able to do that. But as you mentioned, um, I began my, I guess you can say my government career in um, the Air Force. I was a, an aircraft mechanic for, for eight years. And when I um, got out of the military, I worked for corporate for about a year and a half. Um, but I missed the camaraderie that I had while I was in the Air Force. And so I joined the police department and that lasted for about two years full time. And I was a reserve police officer for about five years. Um, but I, I try to do um, anything that I feel like is a new challenge for me. And again, in, in places where I feel like I can add value. So uh, I've had various positions, as you mentioned. I've I've been actually a city manager. I was a city manager for the city of Forest Park. I was a planning director for about five years. I've been a, a deputy city manager. I have been a public works city. Excuse me, a uh, a public works supervisor. I was a city marshal. Um, was a code enforcement division manager uh, for Cobb County for a few years, and so. I've been very fortunate that um, my the leadership that I fell under uh, has given me opportunities to do different things, and I think it, it's kind of helped to sh- shape my thinking as as a leader today. Um, I started off in an entry level position, which gave me a different perspective and appreciation for looking at the organization as a whole, from the entry level employees to to top leadership. Hmm. So if we pivot, if we pivot from, I mean, your history to now the work that you're doing with the Department of Public Works, um, it looks like, you know, you oversee a $90 million annual operating budget and you manage nearly 700 employees. I mean, I can't even fathom, I mean, what, how you do that. I mean, 700 employees, $90 million. Yeah. I mean, my job right now, I, I manage nobody and I still feel like I have no time. So um, right. I'm very curious on how you do that. Um, I mean, how do yeah. you manage so many people? Well, you know, number one, I have good people around me. I, I have three deputy commissioners and they um, are, are, I call them blue chip employees. Um, they they really keep day-to-day operations going and allow me to uh, keep an eye on things at a very high level. Um, the uh, And they have several direct reports also, but um, I, I can tell you that it's challenging. I'm, I'm up for the challenging. That's the exciting part about the job. Um, I haven't had one day that looks like the previous day. Every day looks differently. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been very rewarding. This is a job to where every day you go home that you can show where you've had a positive impact on someone's life. So it, it doesn't become as overwhelming because you focus on the, the good things that come with the position. Mm. So when when we talk about a functioning city, I mean, I think a lot of times people people might not think about, you know, how the Department of of Public Works comes in. The Department of Public Works, to me, feels like the glue that keeps everything together, Um, especially when you're considering if you didn't have the department. Think about what our trash would look like. Think about, you know, with recycling. Think about, you know, a lot of different things about just how the outlook of the city would be. Um, so I'm curious just to ask you, um, I mean, your perspective on the significance of, you know, public works in maintaining a functioning city. 
It's critically important. And, and I tell our, our team members often is that, you know, every position in this city is, is needed. Everyone who works to make this city better every day adds value. And, and, and every job has, has dignity. So a world without public works, I guess your question is, what would that look like? Right. Well, um, to me, mayhem, right. We would have trash stacked, um, at the curbside, we would have overgrown grass. We would have um, probably some some type of health-related issues because of um, poor sanitation. We would have fire trucks and police cars that are uh, disabled at the roadside because our folks um, aren't repairing those vehicles. Um, we would have limited interactions with um, our, I call them our customers, also our, our residents. Um, through our committees that we participate in. Um, so uh, public works also has a, a huge impact on economic development. You know, no one wants to live in a, a community that's, um, you know, that's trash, that's poorly managed. Uh, no one wants to establish a business in, a, in an area um, that's poorly managed. No one wants to visit a city where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not clean. So the impact is wide, and I, I've just really scratched the surface of the impact of a of a city without public works. So when you talk about you know a city without public works, you would be seeing you know mounds and mounds of trash, you know grass that's not cut. I mean, it would just look like basically a city that you know that that has, I guess, that has no direction in a sense. Um, but that kind of leads me to my next point about an issue that's happening in Atlanta right now. Um, and that issue is of illegal dumping, um, people that are, you know, taking their trash and, and dumping it in places that, you know, aren't designated for for waste collection. So before I ask you that question about, you know, what is happening with illegal dumping in the city of Atlanta, I, I would like to hear just a definition um, of, and, and for the listeners of what illegal dumping is, you know, what that constitutes and what areas has that been, I guess, around? Yeah. So another great question. Illegal dumping is just basically disposing of items improperly. Right. And it's 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 a horrible crime. I, I think the, the the folks who illegally dump view it as a victimless crime, but it's far from that. Um, it has an impact on one's outlook on their community. It has an impact on their property values. Um, oftentimes, items that are illegally dumped are you know, hazardous substances. So it, it may have an impact on one's health. Um, and, and, and it also has an impact on one's overall feeling of how safe they are in their community. So um, it, the, the, the impact is, is not only egregious at point, it's, it's, at times it's, it's really unnecessary because we do have a, um, a boutique um, uh, solid waste collection um, structure to where we collect more items probably than any other city, um, whether it's bulk items or whether it's just solid waste. Um, so if, if you were to call the Department of Public Works and say to tell us that you're having a difficult time of discarding items, we will try to help you through um, making sure that those items are properly disposed of even to the extent of making sure that items that could be diverted from the landfill that could either be recycled or, you know, donated or whatever, whatever that may be. But there, there's, you know, there's no excuse to illegally dump items in a city. So you talk about, you know, working, working with people and 
tr- almost trying to educate them on, you know, what what can be recycled, what can't be recycled. You know, what can you do with some of these bulky items? And instead of illegally dumping it, let, let's work together in tandem to, to figure this out. And I just wrote down a note because I'm interested. Does your department, do y'all run any, I guess, recycling programs, recy- not recycling programs, but recycling education, kind of teaching people, you know, about, you know, what can be recycled and what, what can't be recycled. Do, do y'all do anything like that? Yes, we do. So, you know, the, the, the first place to stop is to go to our website to look at items that are approved for our single stream recycling program, which um, that's where we collect items at the curbside. Um, we also partner with uh, Charm, which is the Center for Hard to Recycle uh, Materials. And so they're their, uh, the items that they recycle are far beyond what you would be able to dispose of at curbside. Um, we do monthly events at the Green Bar Mall where we collect uh, electronics that can be recycled. We also uh, collect documents that can be shredded. Um, we have a, a program that's called Feet on the Street, which has been a successful program with conducting basic audits of recycling. So uh, what this team will do is to just go and open the lid of one of our, our cans to see if the materials that are inside of the can are materials that could, you know, properly be recycled. And if not, they'll leave a friend, friendly reminder for the resident to let them know that this item is not an item that would be collected in a single stream recycling program and to give them um, ideas of where those materials can be recycled or discarded. Hmm. So, yeah, I wanted to ask about the recycling question because you had mentioned it. Um, but I do want to go back to this issue of illegal dumping and really understand, you know, this issue, particularly in the city of Atlanta and, you know, what what your department is doing to, I guess, manage this illegal dumping and combat illegal dumping. So, so what is it that your department is doing to take, I guess, charge against this illegal dumping? Yeah, so one of the things that we're we're doing, we're using mobile surveillance cameras to capture footage of illegal dumping activity, um, and that activity is is monitored in our command center. We have dedicated personnel that are able to review video, video footage um, of illegal dumping activities, and so that is from a standpoint of um, you know some uh, you know actual surveillance of the activity. Um, but we, we really want to, to stop illegal dumping at its root. Um, and we're working on uh, a litter education plan to really explain the impact of litter and to um, use that information for community outreach programs. The first stage of this project is for us to monetize the amount of uh, funds that are used to uh, combat illegal dumping. We prefer to use uh, these funds, obviously, elsewhere, but part of that funding will be diverted to public education. Um, I, th- I think illegal dumping is a, is a culture. Um, unfortunately, we experienced illegal dumping in uh, some parts of town more than others. It's just a crime of opportunity, typically in areas where um, lighting is, is, is not as plentiful as others areas where we may have a heavy tree canopy and they can illegally dump items under the cloak of darkness, areas where the the vehicle traffic count may be a little bit lower. Um, So, you know, from the standpoint of um, enforcement, we have also hired two full-time illegal dumping investigators that 
our sworn officers. So they can make an arrest for illegal dumping that crosses a certain threshold. I, I believe that will help as a huge deterrence once illegal dumping violators realize that we take this seriously, that we're watching, and that we are willing to prosecute those who are um, victimizing members of our community. Hmm. Yeah, I think the use of surveillance cameras is, is genius. I just had a conversation, um, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. I haven't, I haven't released the episode yet, but the organization is called the Honold Foundation. And um, what they do is they gather money and funding to to donate to groups in, I guess, under underprivileged areas, particularly in South America, to roll out solar infrastructure to, to give these people electricity. And I, I say all that because um, one project that they did in South America, I think it was in Ecuador, I think is where it was. This group was trying to use surveillance cameras to catch um, organizations that were partaking in deforestation in their community. This community was very biodiverse, um, but these organizations kept coming in and just uh, mining, mining for gold, mining for different things, cutting down trees, you know, just just doing a lot of stuff. So the Honor Foundation actually partnered with these people because their surveillance cameras kept um, losing power. That there wasn't enough power on them. So they partnered with them to put solar panels on these surveillance cameras to keep them on all the time. So that, that was just kind of like a, a connection point um, that, that I saw. Nice. But, you, you know, talking about talking about illegal dumping, um, what I keep reading from the city of Atlanta and from from the mayor is what, what they're calling Operation Clean Sweep. Is Operation Clean Sweep, is that exactly what you've been describing or is that something different? You know, so Operation Clean Sweep is is basically a comprehensive approach to um, improve the overall condition of the city, but but mainly to make sure that all areas of Atlanta uh, look the same and and they all look great. You should not go from the west side of town to the east side of town town and there's some distinct difference. Um, that, you know, the level of care should be uniform throughout the entire city. And and that has been the case, but there, there, there has been room for improvement in our strategy to perform the work. Um, I think oftentimes at times in government, we get caught on doing work according to a schedule as opposed to uh, performing the work based on the actual need. And so what we have done, um, we have gone through the entire city and focused on our, our major roads and the roads that are connected to our, our major roads, which are titled as collector streets. And we have scored those roads, the condition of the roads. And we take things into consideration such as, you know, the presence of trash, um, overgrown grass, um, graffiti, and the, the areas that have received the lowest score is where we place uh, the majority of our resources, because um, otherwise we could follow the schedule that doesn't really address the actual need. And so uh, that has been part of Operation Clean Sweep. We, we have done things to reduce redundancies. Atlanta is a big city. Uh, we have departments that overlap, that we do things um, that are closely connected to other departments, such as the Parks Department. Um, they maintain the boundaries of their park. Um, and public works maintains the public right-of-way for the entire city. So it doesn't make sense for the parks department to cut the grass in front of a park on a Monday and 
the public works department is scheduled to come back Tuesday morning to do the very same thing. So we've been very deliberate about coordinating those schedules with other departments, not just departments within the city, other agencies such as MARTA, um, you know, larger um, um, property owners such as like the Greenbrier Mall. We've we've met with them. We want to understand their maintenance schedule. So we're not in the same place at the same time um, so that we could maximize the use of, of their resources and our resources. And again, keep that um, that uniformity throughout the city. So that, that has been a big part of Operation Clean Sweep, which is very near and dear to Mayor Dickens' heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe his first week in office, he uh, called me and told me that he wanted all of the commissioners out on a public right-of-way picking up trash with him. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't a photo op from him, for him. He actually got out and picked up trash on several of his, his, his weekends. And we all know how busy his schedule is, but he still... Um, was able to find time to to get out and clean the community up. That that is really good to know that you have leadership from the top down. That like we started this interview off with. That's not only gonna you know talk the talk, but but walk the walk. Get your hands dirty in your community and and, and show the citizens of of your community, you know what it takes. Um, so so I applaud you. I applaud applaud the mayor and I applaud all the commissioners that that are doing that f- for the city of Atlanta because it is it is such a big city with so many people. So having that leadership from the top down is 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 critical. Oh, absolutely. We have about fifteen hundred miles of right of way, so that's the equivalent of driving from Atlanta to San Francisco. So, you know, it's it's a huge undertaking. So that I mean, that is wild. Uh, Atlanta to San Francisco. That that kind of leads me to the next point of you know how how do you manage that and and how can you utilize technology to hmm. to help out with that because obviously. You know, you only have so many people. I mean, we talked about in the beginning, you have 700 people um, under your direction, but I mean, you're talking about a lot of space and a lot of stuff to do. So I kind of want to understand how your department and how how you are utilizing technology for public works in Atlanta. Yeah. So our our thing is to to work smarter, uh, not harder. Um, We, you know, first of all, we look at where are we spending the majority of our time? And is there opportunities for us to perform the work more efficiently? And also the work that we're performing, um, does it add any type of value? Um, Are we meeting the expectations of our our, of our residents? So part of the evaluation is is uh, what I explained to you earlier is just uh, getting a condition assessment of certain areas of town to understand where to deploy our resources. We, we spend a significant amount of time um, mowing our right-of-ways and, and picking up litters. So the amount of time can be reduced by the use of technology. And one example is um, we have recently purchased a little bit over 100 smart cans. And, and these are cans that we put at the curbside um, in public areas where um, you dispose of trash, right? But those cans have capacity sensors in them that will send a notification to our command center when they're a- approaching um, full condition. So they're, they're set at a certain capacity. That allows us to um, not have a schedule to collect cans when they possibly aren't full. Um, 
and we could use that time in other needed areas. We are also working on an AI project where we are going to attach cameras to our trucks. Our solid waste trucks travel through throughout the city probably more than any vehicle. That includes the police department um, because we're tasked with collecting trash all throughout the city. So these cameras will be able to capture images of what's occurring on a particular stretch of road, and it will be able to do the assessment that I just described to you a little bit earlier. It will take in to things into consideration, such as graffiti, such as mm. the presence of, of trash, and, you know, overgrown vegetation, and it will assign a score to that particular road. Um, what's different by using uh, the cameras is that we are performing that work manually today, and, and it's a huge undertaking, taking, so therefore we can only do this work once a quarter. Hmm. And through the use of AI, we will be able to get a real-time assessment of roads and be and to be able to make immediate corrections, right? Um, so, you know, it goes back into that, that whole concept of working smarter, not harder. Um, our team also has built a mobile application in, internally, which I'm, I'm very proud of them for, for doing this out, outside of my prompting. Um, our issue is that we hire contractors to do certain rows, to, whether it's, you know, the mowing of the road or litter collection. And as I mentioned, we have 1,500 miles of right-of-way, so it's, it's, it's impossible for us to inspect every road immediately after the work is performed. So this mobile application um, has the ability to capture photographs of the work that has been completed, and those photographs are time-stamped and geotag. So we can look at the photographs to say, you know, the Acme Landscaping Company has mowed the, the right-of-way on Peachtree Road. The photograph shows that it was properly done. It shows the time and the location of that work. The contractors are required to submit those photographs in order to receive payment. Um, that has helped us tremendously to really regulate the work that's being done, not just by our outside contractors. We require our full-time city employees that perform right-of-way maintenance to use this application as well. But again, it's just as another example of how we could use technology to reduce the amount of time that we're performing tasks that, you know, one could either be automated or um, that could be assessed by someone that may be um, in the office or working in the command center, as opposed to having someone in the field that we need to purchase a vehicle for them to do on-site inspections. So it's not just a staffing or uh, 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 an issue to reduce costs. It's, it's also us being able to deploy resources in other areas to perform other priority work. Hmm. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Um, what y'all were doing with the smart dumpsters. I, I did some research on on these probably a couple of years ago when I was in my uh, in my studies in college. And this is really cool technology. And I also say, not only are you saving time, um, but you're helping combat climate change by reducing emissions. Because if your your trucks aren't traveling back and forth, looking at a dumpster, oh, we can't pick it up. That's only that's not only spending gas money, but it's also emitting carbon right into the atmosphere. So. Um, you're reducing emissions 
by having a better technology, which ultimately when we talk about sustainability, I, I think that's what we get to. Um, efficiency and sustainability go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you've done. And then the second point I'll make is um, you, I would say you can tell a lot about a community by what you find in their trash. Um, so so all, all the stuff that y'all are doing, auditing, like you're saying, what's in the trash in these different areas, you can tell a lot about, about what the community is and um, I guess the direction that they're going by what you find. That's, that's a great point. I haven't thought about it that way precisely, but that's, that's a very good point. As you kind of get a good idea of what's important to, to someone by, you know, what they discard. Right. And, and the next, the next point I want to make is, you know, after, after we did the cleanup in Buckhead, um, I was talking to you and I was like, wow, I was like, this, this company that I love, I, I love this company. Um, I actually um, won their, won their business plan competition. And I was asking you, I was like, have you heard of them? Have, have y'all done any work with them? And that company is Rubicon Technologies. Anyone yeah. that knows me knows that I talk about this company all the time. Um, and, and it was so cool when I mentioned their name because you're like, oh, yeah, we just signed a contract with them. And I was like, no way y'all signed a contract with them. Um, so y'all signed a contract with Rubicon Technologies. Could you talk about you know, what, what that contract is and how Rubicon is going to help the department get to where you want to be? Yeah. So, so Rubicon has been a game changer for our, our, um, our solid waste collections division, even our, um, our landscape division. So Rubicon is a telematics program that we use, and we have installed devices onto our vehicles that will help us to be able to properly route vehicles and crews to perform their daily duties. Although the act of picking up trash, it sounds very simple. Um, and it is, it's kind of like saying, you know, Amazon, the delivering packages is simple. We, we know that's highly complex, right? Dropping a package off at the door is simple. And it's the same thing with solid waste collections. We have, um, you know, different vehicles that have different capacities that have different, um, it requires a different skill set um, to operate these pieces of equipment. Um, you can't operate. Uh, you know, large pieces of equipment and the old areas of town, such as Cabbage Town, where they have narrow streets. And so the, the logistics of deploying these vehicles is is very complex. Even when you have a a plan in place that um, is is efficient, you still have to work around the availability of staff. You may have, you know, some type of outbreak, not speaking of COVID, just a, you know, a minor you know, issue with a, a common cold taking a small portion of your team away. That will shut a truck down. It can shut a specific route down and you have to assign another vehicle. Um, and it's it's really dynamic. Rubicon is able to help us make those adjustments in real time. And there is a component to this program that has a quasi AI component to it because the more of the scenarios that we give it, the the better the software per- performs because it adds those scenarios into day-to-day operations. So this program helps us to um, evenly distribute the routes that are, are, are collected. Um, it helps us to reduce the amount of time that our vehicles are out there because the work is, is properly allocated helps us to reduce fuel. More importantly, it, it helps us to plan for 
the expansion of the city. Mm. As you know, um, Atlanta is a very popular town. Many people are moving here. So we're adding additional units, whether it's a single family detached units or, you know, some multifamily properties. So that gives us the ability to predict with, you know, plugging certain models into the software that if we added X amount of residents, this is what um, the the routing, uh, the revised routing would look like. And that process is called route optimization. Mm. So it, it has a huge impact. Before, we were using a, a paper-based system that was very flawed and maps that I was very shocked with our teams were able to use. After you use these maps for a certain period of time, they're, they're not really legible. So the, the drivers were performing the work based on memory, which is, you know, exceptional that they can remember these streets um, um, after per- performing these routes. So um, this, this gives our team the ability, one, to put information into the system while they're in the truck. We have tablets in, inside of the truck that they can make notes. If um, there's a house that um, has a car that is blocking the trash can and this happens on an ongoing basis, we can put a note in a system and ask someone from our um, public information team to go out and make contact with the resident and ask them to move the car so that we can collect the trash. Or if there's a street that's shut down due to construction, they can put that information into the, the tablet, send a message to our command center, and they can work on uh, sending a message out to that particular block that um, we won't be able to pick up trash during that particular time. But once the, the road is reopened, we'll come back to collect the trash. So there's, uh, there's several advantages to the to the program, but the, the main benefit of the program is just to really make the work that we do um, a lot more efficient. Hmm. You had mentioned um, talking about the availability of staff, um, and then you'd mentioned I'm not I'm not talking about COVID specifically. Just you know, someone comes down with a common cold or something. But I did I did want to talk about COVID, and and I want to understand how COVID affected you know your department because you know as we've talked about, I see the Department of Public Works is almost like I said the the unsung hero of a city. Um, oftentimes, I, I would even say I, I played football growing up. I played football in college. The Department of Public Works is almost like a lineman in football. Yeah, right. Don't get a lot of credit, uh, but when something goes wrong, you're sure going to know about it. Um, so I feel like during COVID, you might have had a lot of employees that came down with a sickness that were affected. But it's like your department can't stop because, again, you're, you're powering and moving the city. And if, like we said, if, if the Department of Public Works isn't active, then the city's going to be in chaos. So I just want to understand how you navigated COVID-19, how you navigated people out of work and how you navigated, you know, the, the continuous cycle of just not not having people available um, to work. Yeah, it, it was a it was a challenging time. And as you, you mentioned, the, uh, the frontline workers are the unsung heroes. COVID was uncharted waters and all of our emergency preparedness plans involve when we deal with the catastrophe, it causes us to work closely together. The unique part about COVID was we weren't allowed to do that. We had to work separately, right? And so um, many of our workers had to minimize the amount of time that they were inside of the cab of a vehicle together. 
So it required them to spend more time outside of the vehicle performing their work. Um, and there was a lot of fear involved um, during the onset of COVID because there just was not a lot of information out there um, to understand how the uh, the virus was, was, was spread. So even through all of that, the team band together. Um, we had to uh, look at purchasing equipment that would allow us to collect trash without having a full crew on board. Um, that's when we really ramped up our purchase of what we call the automated side-loaded trucks. These are the trucks that you see with the mechanical arm where the operator can extend his arm to uh, pick up the can and, and dump it into the back of the, uh, the truck. But we also partnered with outside contractors as well. And they they were able to perform a smaller amount of the work, but every little bit helped. Um, and our, our residents were very understanding of the, the staffing challenges. And so we had to modify some of our schedules. We um, had to reduce the collection of items outside of just basic solid waste, such as yard waste. Um, the, the irony is, is that while um, COVID was, was, was taking place, many of the people decided to do more yard work, right, as a, as a form of stress release, because that was something that they were able to actually do and to, to stay busy. And so yard waste ramped up a little bit, but we were still able to kind of modify the schedule and reduce the collections. And again, our, our residents were very um, understanding and cooperative as we worked through that, that challenge. So do you feel like, and, and I asked this question because a lot of people I talk to about COVID um, in, their, in their separate business units, they talk about how COVID really um, is, a, is an awful thing, right? Awful. But it really helped them understand their business and then make you know, positive change in the future and changes that they're still using today. Do you feel like COVID did that for your department? It helped, I guess, audit what y'all were doing, find other solutions and other solutions that you, you might be still using today. Yeah, so that was a big push for Rubicon, right? Um, because during that time, we realized that there were opportunities to uh, perform the work more efficiently, that we would be able to get the job done quicker if the routes were uh, a lot more streamlined. So that was a big push towards um, using the telematics program. There was a big push um, there is now a big push for us to increase the amount of automated side loaded trucks that where we can perform the work independently. Um, there, there is, there was also a, um, we also learned that we needed to cross train some of our employees to do additional duties that they may not have performed ordinarily. We learned of vulnerabilities with our collection and disposal systems that we have made some adjustments with as far as our the use of our contractors and expanding the network of contractors that we have. Um, our, our approach to communicating to our, our, our customers um, was a lot more streamlined. Our interactions with what we call as our neighborhood planning units, uh, which are organizations that are arranged throughout the city that communicate, but they have representatives representatives that communicate directly with the city. And so our, our ability to communicate with them has improved 
the use of social media has has ramped up far as sending out notifications. So yes, we, we did learn a lot. The biggest lesson for me was that um, re- you can't prepare for everything. And COVID, no one could have ever thought that we would have experienced a virus that would have caused us to work independently. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing for me is that we have to allow our team members to critically think through processes and not to give them instruction on how to handle everything. Give them the opportunity to provide their creative input. And you'll be surprised of the results of the conversation when you just stop and, you know, don't feel like you have to have the answer to all of the the, the, the issues that you face. And people people want to feel empowered. I mean, I, I work, I've worked, I guess, my whole career, very, very short. I've been working for a long time, but in manufacturing and what I found was, you know, a lot of the people that are working on the floor have the best ideas out there. And a lot of times they're just not heard because, you know, they're on the floor. But um, I found that when upper level management has really brought them into the conversation, innovation happens. So it sounds like the same thing's happening for you right here um, and what you do. And and now I'm interested because obviously you learned from COVID. The city of Atlanta, under your leadership, I mean, I've done so much. Um, I think you've been there since 2021. And I mean, all these investments, the way that you're pushing forward, it's really, it's really impactful. Um, and I get excited to hear about it. But now I want to understand, like, where do you go from here? Where do you see or what is your vision for the future of the public works in Atlanta? So that, that, that is a great question. And, you know, my, my vision is simple, that we continue to use uh, cutting edge technology, that we can continue to observe um, what our sister cities and counties and state organizations are doing and to learn from their successes or, or, or their failures. For me, I, I've always tried to, uh, this is a cliche, to think outside of the box, right? Um, yeah, I think a lot of leaders prefer to bring on um, candidates or employees that have a certain amount of experience in our industry. I, I, I enjoy bringing in folks who, you know, are able to critically think through issues, as I mentioned earlier, if they have a positive attitude and they understand priorities, we can teach them how to, to do this work. And, and, and they can teach us also. I, I asked them, within their first six months, if you see something that you believe that we're doing incorrectly or it just absolutely makes no sense, it, it probably doesn't. And we have probably have just become desensitized and we believe that this is the way that we conduct business. But you get a lot of um, constructive feedback from folks who have not been in this industry for a while and they begin to ask these thought-provoking questions, and you realize that you get into a rhythm of doing things without really thinking about why you're doing them. You just make these mindless decisions. Not intentionally, it's just you just get caught into this pattern. Um, So what I would like to continue to, to do is bring people in who are able to bring a different point of view. And and that's where I believe the innovative thoughts that 
um, have taken place with the Department of Public Works. Uh, oftentimes I get credit for this. I, I, I shouldn't receive the credit because we have a great group of people that work in the department. And I can say that I may have initiated the discussion and explained my vision, but they have taken it taken it far beyond what I could have ever imagined. So again, my, my goal is um, at some point that the organization will outgrow me, as strange as that sounds. And uh, at this point, I may ask them to slow down a little bit <laughs> because uh, they are they're bringing so many creative ideas to the table. And it's it's exciting to come to work. It, it really is. So to your point of, on not wanting to take credit, I'll say that great leadership breeds success and growth. If you have great leadership and if you give people the availability to grow, availability to you know speak their ideas. Um, then you're going to see success and immense growth. And that's exactly what you're doing. So so I applaud you um, for your leadership. But Commissioner, I, I just want to thank you for coming on the Green Hour today. Um, it it really speaks volumes that you not only are in the community, um, getting your hands dirty, but you're also coming on a show like this, talking about you know what the city of Atlanta is doing. So thank you so much for joining us. And I'll just tell the listeners, next time you go to, to put your trash by the road, Think about all the technology and all the AI that is being used to do something as simple as pick up your trash. Well, well, thank you, Preston. And thank you for the invitation. And before we wrap up, if you will allow me to give a huge shout out to the women and men of the Department of Public Works. Um, they are, I call them the everyday hero. Uh, it, sometimes they're invisible with the work that they perform because they're just doing it quietly behind the scenes. But thank you so much for allowing me to be the representative of this department and the great work that you do. Um, all the things that you do are, are much appreciated. So thanks, team. And thank you, Preston.